0: Hey there, Caitlin here. Our mission at EB Academics is simple. Help middle school ELA teachers take back their time outside of the classroom by providing them with engaging lessons, planning frameworks, and genuine support so that you can become the best version of yourself both inside and outside of the classroom. So if you think you might be ready to try something new because you know you simply cannot continue the way that you have been, that I'd invite you to take a moment to check out the EB Teachers Club, the EB Writing Program, or the EB Grammar Program by visiting the links in the description of the podcast. We hope to continue to support you within one of our programs in the future. And in the meantime, we look forward to serving you right here on the podcast. Well, hello teachers welcome back to another episode of the teaching middle school ELA podcast. I am so excited today to be welcoming a very special guest who wouldn't necessarily be a guest that you would think we would have on our podcast and I think what we're going to talk about today is going to hugely benefit you as a middle school English teacher. So today we have Dr. Frederick Buskey, who is the host of the podcast called the Assistant Principal Podcast. And Dr. Buskey talks all about strategic leadership and working with assistant principals and admins in ensuring that they are successful leaders of their schools. And a lot of his principles that he shares with leaders is absolutely pertinent to you as a middle school English teacher as well. So Dr. Busky, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Welcome and thank you for being here.
1: Caitlin, thanks a lot. I'm so excited and I'm excited to be back uh, in front of middle school teachers because middle school is where my heart is. Uh, I fell in love with teaching middle school. My first job and was part of a really high-performing middle school team. So I'm really excited about the work you do and to be able to talk to your audience.
0: So you know our challenges with middle school students then.
1: (laughs) Yes, it's the squirrel factory. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's a great, great analogy for for middle schoolers, for sure. And just a random side note. So Dr. Busky, I was listening to one of your past episodes and you mentioned something about the University of Finley. And that's actually where my husband went to college. You know, a lot of the same people. And one of my husband's teammates, dads, right? Was your former principal. Is that correct? Yes.
2: Yes. yes. <laughs>
0: talk about a small world, right? We're all connected somehow in some capacity. Um, And I just love that so much. So before we dive into the episode, can you tell us a little bit about your experience? You have so much wealth of knowledge and experience in all of the different capacities and areas that you've worked in, um, in your life and just your mission in supporting um, leaders in their roles. Can you talk to us a little bit more about the work that you do and your background?
1: So I was 17 years in K-12 teaching and administration, and I always do a full disclosure. I was actually never an assistant principal. So I went from being a middle school social studies teacher to being a special ed coordinator at the county level. And I actually think that's been a big advantage for me because knowing that I've never been in the role that I support people in, I've been really intentional about listening. Mm -hmm. So most of what I share, I just stole from people who are much better and smarter than, than I am. (laughs) So I did 17 years in K-12 and then I moved into higher education and spent 13, I think 13 years in principal licensure programs, um, most of the time coordinating those programs and helping with redesigns and then teaching. And I was at Western Carolina University, which is where I live now in the Appalachian Mountains in the far western part of North Carolina, and then also at Clemson University, which a few people may have heard of.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I've never heard of that school at all. I love it. You have just such a a great um, and unique background, I think, that is really helpful in serving leaders and people who want to grow in their leadership. Um, Can you talk to me just a little bit about Kind of your four essentials in establishing, you know, some great leadership uh, routines, qualities, things that are going to help us. That we'll dive into more specifically in the episode today.
1: Yeah, we had talked. Um, just sorry, just lost my train of thought. That's okay. So um, we've been looking a lot at kicking off a mentoring program here for first and second year principals. And I started thinking about what are the most essential things that a new assistant principal should do when they get into the job. And a lot of what you read about and go to, if you go to other sources, they're talking about the kind of the skills and the knowledge and the planning. But I actually think that those are not the most important things. I think the first number one, most important thing is building your support network Mm -hmm. because the assistant principal job is really an impossible job. And if, if we ask all the teachers out there to say, what's the role of your assistant principal, it, it's going to be about a mile wide on yeah. what we think that job is about. And the, what I think is the most important part of the job, which is supporting and growing teachers is actually the thing that gets pushed to the back the most. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have that support network in place, you are going to struggle to do what I think is your primary function in supporting and growing teachers.
0: Yeah, I mean you think about too just to kind of add on to that I think about my past assistant principals um they were the catch-all for everything and you know you think about if I actually was if I had an assistant principal who was able to support me as an educator my experience might have been a little bit different in terms of feedback or feeling supported or asking, Hey, can you come in and let me know how I'm doing? Because as teachers and especially the teachers who listen to our podcast, you know, our goal is to get better. And our goal is to constantly be refining our craft and things like that. Um, so t- can you talk to us a little bit more about for our teachers too, you know, everything that you're saying yes is applicable to assistant principals because that's who you work with. Um, but why is a support network something that is so helpful for yes, an assistant principal, but anybody in any role that they're filling in a school?
1: What well, I appreciate that you're broadening that out because as I've been doing this work and and putting these roles together, I keep thinking, oh, wait, do I do I have this? Right. Do I have these four roles? The support network has four roles. So the the first one is the leader for an assistant principal that is obviously that is the principal. And I think to a large extent for teachers it's the same, right? You get dropped into a school and so I like to think of us as being seeds and so we get dropped into a school that school environment of which the principal is really in charge, that's like the soil that we get dropped into. And so for us to to grow and become lush and fulfill our potentials, we need good soil. But the reality is we don't always get dropped into the greatest soil, right? There are all Mm -hmm. kinds of dynamics going on in schools. And sometimes you get a new principal that still has a lot to learn. Sometimes you're lucky enough. You get in a building with a fantastic leader or you choose to go work with a great leader, and then a year later, two leader, two years later, that leader moves on.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: we've got that first role, and I'm a big gardener, so I'll use those gardening analogies. Perfect.
2: <laughs> so
1: that principle is like the the soil that you get dropped into. That's your leader. The second role then is community, and you think of community as being your peer group, your peer network assistant principalship is a pretty isolating job. And so oftentimes assistant principals need to go outside their building and they should go outside their building Mm -hmm. for their community. And a lot of times outside the district, and that can be really beneficial as well. Mm -hmm. I think for teachers, they have more options. If you've got a great high performing team, then you kind of have that built in community, but it's also important for teachers to be able to get more perspectives and and get out there and hear from other people and i think the role of the community is really to break down that isolation Mm -hmm. to help you feel like you're not alone to be a safe space where you can be vulnerable it's a place where people can help fill in the gaps that you may have in that soil right so your principal is going to have strengths but they're also going to have gaps and so when you have a good peer network that peer network can help fill in for those gaps. And then the third role is the role of advocate. And listening to some of your episodes of the podcast, that's why I really wanted to come on and and talk about this topic, because I know you are big advocates for your teachers. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And so the the role of advocate is the person who is going to take care of you.
2: Mm
1: You are not your job and your job will not take care of you. And just like assistant principals, most teachers, they themselves are the last person on their priority list, Yep. right? They'll take care of everybody else. And so I think all of us need an advocate. We need someone who puts us first, who helps us hold hold ourselves accountable to taking care of ourselves, which is a couple of the other essentials we'll get into. Someone that will listen, someone that can be brutally honest with us. And then someone that can provide that unconditional care. So I think mm-hmm. the advocate is a huge role. And we all know we need that, but we don't all make that intentional.
0: Yep. And did you have a fourth one? Sorry.
1: Yeah. So the fourth <laughs> one is the fourth one is the mentor. Yes. And I think the good a good mentor, if if the principal is the soil. And if our community then is like the fertilizer, right? So they can add and and enrich the environment we're in. The advocate is like that trellis, Mm -hmm. right? They're going to protect you. They're going to help hold you up when the wind's blowing and the storms are coming through. The mentors like the gardener, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: a really good mentor can help make all this stuff work together. And I always say the, The difference between good and great involves transformations Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and you cannot get through a transformation probably without a really good mentor because a mentor is going to help you grow in those perspectives. They're going to help you look at the world differently. And they're probably willing to have those hard conversations and challenge you around the assumptions or beliefs you have that aren't being fully productive.
0: Yeah, this is so good. I mean, I'm like taking notes. I'm writing things down for myself too. Um, You know, this is what we talk about with our teachers so often, not so often, It feels like all the time there's this system, right, of education, this larger system that we feel like we're up against. And that's why I quit. I don't know if you, you probably don't know much about my background story yet, Um, but I actually left the profession three and a half years into being a high school English teacher because I was just disillusioned with the whole thing. I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm I'm out. And I actually, I left in March. I didn't even make it through to the end of the school year. And I went to corporate America. You think everything's going to be better. It's not, the grass is not greener on the other side (laughs) by any means at all. But when I came back, I knew that I needed to do something different, right? That something needed to change in order for me to have a different outcome. And I think so often we don't realize that there are actually things that we have control over to better impact our circumstances, regardless of what our school situation is or whatever it might be. You know, Some of us might not have great leadership at our schools. However, we absolutely can find a great community to support ourselves with. We can find people who are advocates for us and we can find mentors and to hold people accountable to showing them, Hey, something else is possible. And we just get to operate differently in the world and have exactly what you just said, that transformation, um, to show people that that's possible. I think is the first thing that a lot of teachers, assistant principals, people in general, just need to see that, Hey, it can happen. I don't have to operate like this for the rest of my life.
1: Yeah. I love that. And, you know, I, I have a principal friend who's a remarkable principal. She's in supporting working with her teachers all the time. When she gets a new assistant principal, she's immediately grooming them and helping grow their leadership. So she's that really rich soil. And if you land as a seed in that building, You really don't need as much of these network pieces because you've got most everything you need right in that one spot, but she is absolutely exceptional and leadership is a tough job and we all have gaps in our leadership. And so those support systems become really, really important. And I'm really passionate about early career teachers Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and thinking about what they're going through and the transitions that they're going through having a support network like this set up, before you begin teaching or as you're entering the classroom, that can make a huge difference.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean looking back, I did not have great leadership in those first few years at my first school. I didn't really have a community. Um, I didn't have an advocate. I had a mentor who was pr- a pretty good mentor, but that was about it. And I wonder if my experience would have been different because mm-hmm. when I came back to the classroom, I had a fantastic principal. I really did. I had a great community. I had a great support system. My business partner, the CEO, I'm sorry, the co-founder of, of EB with me, she was the teacher across the hall. And I found finally, you know, that that colleague, that person to connect with who just got me and to have someone like that in your life just makes such an incredible difference. And so to our teachers who are listening, you know, if you don't have this, it's not to say that it's not possible for you to find this and seek this out. Um, I know a lot of us are in you know, Facebook groups and Dr. Busky, I don't know if you're in any of them, but a lot of them can be really negative and really unsupportive and actually toxic places to be. And so it really is about being incredibly cognizant of who we decide to allow into our community to impact us and influence us either for the positive or, you know, for the negative in a lot of different ways. I don't know if that's been your experience with things like that on Facebook and social media.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And, and and you're spot on when we talk about building that community. I've taught in ed admin programs where we had a cohort. So people would work through together through a two-year program and those people became really close. So mm-hmm. when they graduated and they went out and they started getting AP jobs, they had that natural community because they could lean on each other. And it was really rich because they're from different districts. They have different life experiences so they can really support each other. But a lot of people don't go through experiences like that. And typically Mm -hmm. I think undergraduate cohorts of teachers probably aren't, don't get, you know, as close and lean on each other as much. So where do you find that community Mm -hmm. and, and if you've done a lot of conferences, you may meet people there. If you're involved in some kind of special interest stuff, you meet people there. But a lot of people do default to the online communities because they don't know where else to go. Mm-hmm. And I know in in my work, trying to reach out to leaders and work with leaders in different areas, I just I get frustrated with Facebook. I do think it's a toxic space. So I, I know I, I need to go there and be engaged, but i I don't because, mm-hmm. because of the nature of Facebook mm-hmm. and LinkedIn and some of the other places it's possible, but those aren't really places that are conducive to deep discussion.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and that's the big thing I'm starting to advocate for is paid communities. And in in one way that's selfish because I'm offering a paid community, but I pay to be in a mastermind and I do that because the other people that are in there they want the same thing I do. Yep. They're committed to their growth, and and they want to grow with other people in that community environment.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. We are who we surround ourselves with, and it's it's hard because I know for for a lot of us, um, you know, we might have colleagues who are not necessarily on the same level that we are in terms of wanting to grow and change and shift and be better and be different or whatever it might be. Um, So to your point, to find communities like that is such an impactful thing that we can bring into our lives. And that's exactly what we do at EB. You know, that's why we have our EB Teachers Club and our community is so important to us. And we use our core values to ensure that everybody who gets to be a part of what we're doing is operating from that same place, that we are all in this together in this movement towards having an impact on our lives that's going to make teaching not just sustainable, but enjoyable that we get to love our jobs, that we get to show up every day and do great work. And to your point, you said that you are not your job. You get to go to work and do your job and then leave that identity there. And you get to go home and do the other things that make you who you are, which I know is not necessarily the case for a lot of teachers and probably for a lot of admins as well.
1: Yeah, a- absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I had, the. To- an experience with a elementary school principal. She was in a small school, but she had no assistant. And one of the questions I always ask principals is, you know, what is your day like? When, when do you go home? And because many of the, just like your teachers, they're working 50, 60 hours a week, they're bringing work home.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And she said, oh, I usually finish up about four o'clock and go home. I've never heard an answer like that. And I said, oh, How do you do that? How do you get everything done? She said, "I don't get everything done, but what I don't get done will be here for me tomorrow." Yeah. And I know you you have uh, you advocate for that kind of approach, right? That that we we focus our work, but the the other side of that that was unstated that took me a while to figure out was she could do that because she put her priorities first. And that's a challenge that a lot of administrators have is they're driven by the urgent Mm -hmm. instead of what's most important. And I think as teachers, we can fall into that too. We start spending a lot of time in other places doing other work instead of investing the time in what's absolutely essential.
0: Yes. 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 I talk to our teachers a lot about, you know, what's the, the highest value use of your time. And it's not the, you know, making sure our classrooms look Pinterest perfect or whatever it might be. It's batch planning our content so that when we go to school, we know what we're teaching. We can make adjustments for our students. We can meet the needs of all of our kids and we can leave school at 315 because we're focused on the standards. We're hyper-focused on the thing that actually matters, not, you know, the thing that we saw on TikTok that we're like, oh, that looks cool, but doesn't actually address the standards at all for our students. Um, And I think it takes discipline to operate from that place and to kind of exist in the world in that way, which is hard for a lot of people. But once to your point to that word, once you make that transformation in your life, you look back and you're like, what was I doing before? Because now it just makes so much more sense to me. Yeah. Um, Can you talk to me? Sorry. Were you going to say something?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back because this whole time I'm just flashing back to my own middle school teaching experience. And I was one of those people that stayed late every day. I was putting in massive hours and I would spend so much time doing a lesson plan mm-hmm. and and then still not feeling prepared. And I remember so many times I would be just I'm feeling pressured and, you know, kind of high strung and getting stuff at my desk done at my desk as the kids were were moving in the classroom. And it was only later where I really started thinking about and learning about this idea of greeting kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love my kids, and I had good relationships. But I was never at the door welcoming them every day when they came into the class because I was still in planning phase even after I'd put in all that time, yeah, and going back to community, Caitlin, if teachers can think about making that transition, right, of being frenzied like I was and always sacrificing and giving up other things and, and knowing that there is a community like yours there. And we know there are lots of people listening that value your stuff that are loving it, that are using it, but are kind of afraid to take that next level of commitment to actually join a community because that Mm -hmm. sounds a little bit intimidating. Sometimes it's the money, but it's also just making that commitment to do that.
2: Mm
1: I wish I had had something like that available when I was a teacher. Yeah. So I just encourage people listening, try a community out because if you get into a community with people that have shared values and you're getting more consistent support from wonderful people like you, that's going to make a huge, huge difference.
0: Yeah. It changes the game. And I think about you know a silly analogy to, to I, I work out a lot. And, you know, a local gym recently opened um, finally after, you know, COVID and everything. And I remember the first class, we were all in person. Like we finally all started taking our masks off. And I remember at the end of the class, like I was in tears because I was surrounded in community of people who were going after the same goal. And it's just such a powerful, like energetic existence to be a part of all of that, towards something that we're doing together, that it makes a huge difference in your life in one, that the belief that you actually can do something different and to mm-hmm. have people cheering you on and rallying behind you and supporting you and to your point, advocating for you and being your mentor. Um, I think that's what a lot of us are missing is community, especially in today's day and age. We think we have it in certain things on social media and online, um, but I don't think we really have that deep true sense of belonging to something that's, that's bigger than us. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I wonder if, if the community is not helping you grow, is it really community?
0: Yeah. That's a great point. I like that a lot.
1: I I think we've all had that experience of feeling like we're swimming upstream. So I just want to teach my kids. I just want to be a great teacher, but it seems like I'm having to fight to be able to do that. And when you're in the right community, that is switched Mm -hmm. and you feel like people are really helping you along and you're not having to fight that current.
0: Yeah, that's a beautiful image. Thank you for sharing that. Um, So that's the support network, leadership, community, advocate, mentor. Talk to us about kind of um, some of the other things that you have in terms of, you know, developing morning and evening routines. Like how do these other aspects of what you talk about leadership um, apply to to what we're talking about today?
1: So I think those other three essentials are the other three pieces that we can think about as, as supporting and keeping us strong and keeping us healthy. And again, they don't have anything to do with the skills or knowledge of doing the job, but they're the things that are going to allow you to continue to thrive and not get burned out to stay enthusiastic and passionate about your work. So the first is building that morning routine because this day starts with the morning. And I think there are really a couple essential components to that. So that first one is to make sure that you begin your day with movement. And some of us are really committed in exercise and would you CrossFit or weights or whatever it might be. Other people struggle with doing that kind of exercise. So we're not talking about going to the gym for 90 minutes. We're just talking about getting up and moving. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's five minutes of really gentle stretching. Maybe it's 30 minutes of yoga. Maybe you want to go for a walk, whatever it is. We've got to walk and we've got to move because it's so essential to our physical health. And then also that influences then our mental health. Mm -hmm. The second component is meditation or prayer, some kind of centering that helps you still your mind and develop clarity for the day. And then the third piece is, I think is setting an attention. Mm -hmm. I always encourage people to have a daily intention because if we just step into our day, there's all that stuff going on. But if we can set an intention, like today, I know there are certain students that I really need to touch base with. So I'm going to make sure today, and I'm thinking about this at, you know, 6.30, 7.30 in the morning today, those three students, I'm going to be there for them. They're going to know that I see them. That's my intention today. Mm -hmm. Or I know that teacher across the hall is really struggling. She's trying to take care of her mom who has cancer. And so I'm going to make sure I do something that's there for that teacher. So that intention doesn't have to drive your whole day, but it helps set you up to do something positive and to create not only a win for yourself, but a win for other people. Mm
0: -hmm. You know, one of my mentors always says we are where we put our intention." And when we have an intention, and even when we say it out loud, I think there's research around this, that if we say an intention out loud, it's like 30% more likely to actually happen. Um, I don't know. That could be totally not true. But regardless, it's a good thought. It sounds good. But. To your point, you know, it ensures that we're not just lackadaisically going through our days and the day-to-day motion of things. You know, we talk about with kids, I don't know if you have any children, but they say that the the days are long, but the years are short mm. and it's really easy for the, the days to just go by and we get in the habit of just kind of doing the same things and nothing changes. But when we set forth an intention, it could be as simple as, Hey, I'm going to check in with Bob today. And make sure that he's okay. It gives us also, I think too, at least for me, I I live a very purpose-driven life. And I think a lot of teachers do. That's why a lot of us go into the profession is it realigns us to to our purpose. You know, Why are we here? Why are we doing the work that we're doing? Um, I think that's a great way to begin your day. Thank you for sharing all of that. What about ending ending the day, evening routines? I'm interested to hear what you have to say about that.
1: Yeah, so this is one I'm still... Trying to work on because I'm not very good at it myself.
0: <laughs> do as I say and not as I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: gotta be transparent, right? <laughs> so we know that people that cannot cut that day off, that don't have a way to let it go, are much more susceptible to burnout.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, I was working with, I was actually working with some community leaders and we were we did an activity on building your morning routine. We came back two year, two weeks later and everybody had set an intention for their morning routine. Said, how did you do? Only one person was successful. Everybody else struggled. So we started to kind of break that down. Well, what's going on? For several of the people, they said we couldn't really do our morning routine because we were waking up late or we were waking up, we could barely get up because we went to bed late. Why'd you uh-huh. go to bed late? while we were watching TV or doing whatever. Well, why? Because we needed to distract ourselves from our work because we couldn't turn off to work,
2: <laughs> Yeah.
1: right? So now, yeah. now you're, <laughs> now you're in that cycle. <laughs>
2: um,
1: and I had a conversation, I think is, um, Helen Kelly was on my show a few weeks ago and she talked about that whole idea of burnout. And one of the biggest factors is us not being able to step away. hmm And so establishing some kind of an afternoon routine that you're able to step out of that building. And then I think that you have a very specific transition. So I know when I'm on the top of my game, my transition can be organizing for the next day and then reflecting on the wins and how the day went. And then I've got to go get out of my office, change my clothes, do something else and let it go. Mm -hmm. So coming up with something that is concrete like that. So you don't just go home and you're still bringing all that baggage home mm-hmm. is absolutely critical.
0: Yeah, that. I mean, I'm thinking about myself. I, I love, I could, I could work all day, every day. I love working. I'm very much a, a high achiever, type A, all that stuff. Um, and I have a very difficult time at the end of the day. I mean, I, I stayed up and worked until midnight last night because I was just so in it. But I think- that the concept that you just shared, that was very interesting. That's what I picked up from what you just said was having an actionable thing that you do that creates the change. So it's not like, okay, I've just closed my laptop. It's like, I got to do something else to signal to my brain. Like we're shutting off now and we're not doing this anymore. Um, That's really powerful. What is, did you share something that you do? What do you do at night? You change your clothes.
1: I used to be really bad about changing my clothes. I'd come home and I'd stay in a tie and button down shirt all night long. I have no idea why, but I never, I didn't make that transition, right? Which is a really bad habit. Mm -hmm. So, so now when I'm done, I do, I change my clothes and I work in my home office and I think COVID kind of blurred a lot of lines for us and a lot of us work at home assistant mm-hmm. principals checking email your teachers are y'all are checking email we i know mm-hmm. you are yeah <laughs> and you doing other things and and in, we shouldn't be doing that but if you have to do some kind of work at home after hours you need to put a box around that mm-hmm. don't sit on the couch watching netflix with your computer open scanning the email you mm-hmm. you're just destroying The line between your personal life and your work life. And in the long term, that is going to help burn you out.
0: Yeah. Gosh, this is so good. I mean, I'm just thinking like, all this comes down to for me, the word that keeps coming to my brain is discipline, Hmm. is the discipline in setting those boundaries and sticking to them. And for a lot of us, that's hard. Like, you just look at us in general as humans, it's challenging to stay disciplined. So I think of other areas of my life that I work really hard to stay disciplined in simply to exercise that muscle. Right. So I make my bed every single day. Something super basic, super simple, no excuses. Get up. I said my my word to my phrase to myself is get up, dress up, show up. So even if I don't want to get out of bed, I say that get up, dress up, show up, I'm out of bed. Um and then I make my bed. And at night I spend 20 minutes and I just straighten up the house. Every, you know, no excuses. You do that. Um, and so like really trying to lean into that discipline muscle to be able to do exactly what you just said of, no, I'm going to close my computer. I'm not going to sit on the couch and watch Netflix while I'm working or looking at my phone, which is the same thing and answering emails there, or maybe not answering them, but looking at them. And now I have this thought in my brain of this email that a parent sent to me that's now distracting me from being present to my life with my family. That's huge. I love that.
1: And some of the biggest joy in our lives comes from being fully present. Yeah. And the more that we're looking at those other things, the more we're thinking of, about work, the more we're on our phones, mm-hmm. the less present we are. And I love what you said about you know the discipline. think discipline becomes easier when we have triggers and we have momentum. Mm -hmm. So building in those automatic pieces, I get up, I make my bed, right? That's, that's a win. And then that triggers the next step. Mm -hmm. And then if you can put three of those together, now you have some momentum and it becomes so much easier. And, and I know I can look back on any week, And based on how I started my morning, I can tell you how the rest of the day went and how productive I
2: was.
1: (laughs) And I want to make the, yeah, I want to make the point about the morning routine too. You don't have to do a 90 minute workout, get up and stretch, move, go out and stand in your garden or whatever it is for five minutes. And then come sit down and sit in a quiet space and just listen to the stillness or read Psalms or something for five minutes. That's, that's all you need to do. Mm-hmm. And you are gonna be in a little bit better place. I do a daily leadership email and we send that out at 6 a.m. every morning. So that when people do get on their email, I say, read that one first. Yeah. And at the end of everyone, we have a daily intention, right? What's something you can think about today? What's something that you can focus on that's gonna help make somebody better around you? It doesn't take that long. In 12 Mm -hmm. minutes, we can do it. And if we don't take our phone into the bathroom, if we don't take our phone into the kitchen, guess what? We're going to have 12 minutes back.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. We all say we don't have time. That's just an excuse. And I I just subscribed to your newsletter. So I'm very much looking forward to getting (laughs) my first one tomorrow morning.
1: (laughs) Caitlin, this is the huge shift. And this is the secret that I try to preach to assistant principals. It is not about time. As long as we're trying to manage time we're We're never going to have enough. It is about managing priorities. Mm-hmm. So I try not to say I didn't have time because I had time to practice guitar. I didn't make it a priority, yep, And that's not to beat myself up that That was a choice. And if I choose to doom scroll or look on Facebook or whatever, that's a choice,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. And when we say I don't have time, we are a victim to time. And so we are giving away all of our power, all of our control, all all of our ability to change and impact our lives. Um, And that's tough, you know, for people to, to come to that realization. But when you do, everything starts to shift and change for you and your entire world. Yeah. So
1: can I, can I share my three epiphanies?
0: Yes. All
1: right. And this took a couple of years and, and they came from different sources But they've been really big in my life. So the first epiphany is you can't do everything. You can't. The second epiphany, which is amazing, is if you cannot do everything, then you get to choose what gets done and what doesn't get done. And I love it because it flips the whole narrative of there's too much to do and stress and this. No, wait a minute. If you can't do everything, then actually you get to choose. Mm -hmm. what gets done. You get to choose whether you're doing the bulletin board or planning that lesson or making that phone call to that parent, you choose. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But then the third one is the hard one because the third one is that your choices reflect your values. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we're choosing things that aren't in line with what we say are our values.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And we are Our values, you know, like if I think about, and I don't know about you from a leadership perspective, but at EB, our val, our company core values are our operating mechanism. Like if, if the team has a question about something, I'm like, use our core values to make the decision. Cause I know that you'll make the right choice. And it's so much easier when you look at it from a business perspective, right? The company has these values, but then when you flip it onto you and you're like, what are my personal values? And am I actually living in alignment with those values? Sometimes the answer is no, and that's hard because it's about us and we make it about us and we make it mean something about us and who we are and shame and all that stuff. But I think if we can separate from those feelings and just give ourselves the grace and the space to have the opportunity to live our life through the values that are important to us. It just opens up a different world and a different way um, to live. I've shared this on the podcast before. Um, My grandmother, who who actually just passed away a couple of months ago, always said to us, you know, life is not a dress rehearsal. I'm sure you've heard that, but she Mm -hmm. said it to us all the time. And she was a, she was a teacher for 35 years. And that's just so true. And every decision that we make every day um, impacts the, the reality of our lives and the world that we create. So I find myself constantly asking, you know, does this choice serve the person that I want to be? And if the answer is no, it makes it a lot easier.
1: Yeah. well, And I think the other part of that is just to be more intentional about the choices we make, even when they're bad choices, at least own them. And again, yeah. that's not to beat yourself up, but none of us are perfect. And I really didn't need to eat that third peanut butter cookie today that was on the counter. (laughs) I didn't need to do it, but I, at least I was intentional and I said, okay, am I going to eat that? I know I shouldn't, but yes, I am going to make the decision to eat that. So now I own that decision rather than all of a sudden, all the cookies are gone and I'd even think about it. You just have to live more intentionally. And that's why that Mm -hmm. morning routine and the afternoon routine are so important.
0: Yeah. I love that. Okay. We have one more. The last thing that you wanted to talk about in terms of your four essentials is developing structures to support consistent reflection. And I think that's a great kind of spot to, to wrap everything up and bring it home. Talk to us about this. What does this mean? What does this look like?
1: If you're a teacher, the, the biggest way that you're going to grow is through reflection if if you can't self reflect you are not going to grow because it's the self reflection that leads us to reach out to people like you and mm-hmm. to say hey something has to change right if we're on autopilot we never even realize that so self self reflection is really the core characteristic of growth but we live in a world that is so fast and so full that if we don't intentionally create routines and create spaces for us to reflect, then we won't do it.
0: Yeah. How do we do that then? What do you I, do it, perhaps?
1: The the biggest thing for me is journaling in the morning. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I did a course, any creative I think should do this course. Um, it's called the artist's way. Okay. Cameron is the author of the book. It's a 12 week course. So it, if you like creative stuff, if you like writing, if you like thinking about things, it's a great course. And I took that course and one of the practices in there was writing three pages every day, every morning. Mm-hmm. So when I'm on, when I hit my routine, I get up, I move, and then the next thing I do is I do my pages. Mm-hmm. And if I sit and I write my pages, it's where I process. Yep. And some of it's personal processing and my own emotions. But I actually use it a lot for my professional growth. It's where I start thinking about these ideas and I can think about what are the support networks that people need? And, and in that reflective space, I can play with ideas. Mm -hmm. I can play without pressure and I can get all that stuff down, which means then it's easier to walk away from.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, for me, this is huge because as, as a leader of, you know, EB, that's an incredibly important part to the growth of the company, but the growth of the team too, and them as people. And if I'm not reflecting, um, they're not going to. And if I'm not growing, they're not going to, you know, we get to be the highest level and example of what it means to be on your game and be the best version of yourselves. Um, And I think teachers do too with their students. So I would even think a great opportunity for this would be to bring it into your classroom. You know, how can you reflect with your students on a daily basis and offer them this skill? How powerful would that be for students every day to set an intention at the beginning of the class? What's your intention for our class period? Um, Or how did that go? Or reflect on that intention at the end of the class period. These are skills, I think, that are so essential to. I don't want to say being successful because success is defined differently by everybody, um, but skills that are going to help us be great in this lifetime. And they're skills that I don't think are presented to students, that students are given the opportunity to learn unless we as teachers are intentional with bringing it into our classrooms as we are working through it ourselves. Um, So I think that's very powerful. Reflection is a huge tool for growth. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, it's it's funny. I begin every workshop I do, I begin with two activities. The first is celebrations. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how many people come into the room and you can tell it's been a rough day. And then you go around and you do celebrations. And by the end of that, they're perked up. Yeah. Because they're real they're reflecting and they're realizing, oh, okay, there were actually positive things that happened yeah. today. It's not yeah. all about. You know, little Jimmy in the spit water, the vape, or whatever it
0: is,
1: (laughs) right? They can they can find the joy in things. And then the second thing I do is, here's what the workshop's about. But what do you need to get out of today? Yeah. So again, we can set that intention. Caitlin, my my favorite reflection times when I was in schools was with my superintendent on a Friday afternoon. Mm -hmm. I learned so much because you're. Principals, assistant principals, superintendents, they don't have a lot of space to reflect either. But that Friday afternoon when everybody's kind of leaving the building and it's quieting down, that's when they start to process their week. Yeah. So if you want insights into leadership, if you want insights into decisions that were made that maybe you don't understand, sit down with your leaders and decision makers on a Friday afternoon and just listen ask questions because the learning that can happen there as they reflect and then that gives you the opportunity to reflect yourself it's those were joyous times for me honestly
0: yeah Yeah, that's so great. I kind of want to do that with my husband every Friday from now on. (laughs) We'll do a little reflection time. We do it with our son at dinner. Uh, We talk about, um, you know, wins and uh, what's the other word that I can't remember what we use for the other um, challenges that we face that day. Uh, But for him too, you know, it's great because I think, you know, we talk about the human brain. We revert to just remembering the negatives throughout Mm -hmm. the day. We're very you know keen on on thinking about that, whereas the majority of the day was probably pretty neutral and probably totally fine. Um, so to bring the awareness to to those wins, we do that with our team too, and it's very, very powerful exercise. Um, Dr. Buskey, is there anything that you want to leave us with at the end of this conversation? Where can our teachers find you? I've subscribed to your newsletter because I want to hear your words of wisdom every single morning that I wake up. Um, how can we connect with you? What else do you have to share as we kind of wrap things up for the day?
1: So the best way to find me is to go on my website at frederickbuskey.com. And you'll probably be greeted by one of those pop-up messages. I think we talked about this airing towards the end of August and the the process that we just talked about in terms of building your support network is one of the things that we're actively promoting as part of our mentor program. So if you log into our website now, you're going to get a pop-up that will allow you to sign up for our email, but it's also going to get you a checklist and then a couple of emails to support that checklist and help you think through for yourself, how am I going to do the support network? If I don't have that peer group, you know, Mm -hmm. that's ready and accessible. How might, how might I fill that need? So you can, people can log on the website, frederickbusky.com They'll get that pop-up, get onto our email list, as well as get the checklist and then get some support for that. And then I love hearing from people That's the hardest thing, you know, the hardest thing about the work that we're doing is not being with people every day. So if anybody has questions or comments or wants to share anything, I would love to hear from you. And my email is frederick at Frederickbusky.com.
0: Perfect. And we'll put all that information in the show notes for everybody as well. So it's easy for them to, you know, click on it and and head off to your website and send you an email. And I'd also invite all of our listeners to, you know, share this podcast episode with your principals, with your assistant principals, with other leaders at your school. Um, And I'd invite you guys even to go, our teachers, go listen to Dr. Busky's podcast. Yeah, it's the assistant principal podcast, but there are so many lessons about leadership that just apply to us as teachers of leaders in our class classrooms as well, that I think that there's a wealth of knowledge to kind of expand our worlds to bring, you know, other perspectives and differing voices in that we might not necessarily consider. Um, We wouldn't say on the top of our head, like, oh, I'm going to go listen to an assistant principal podcast. There's actually a lot to be learned from a variety of places. So thank you so much, Dr. Buskey, for being here with us today. I very much appreciate your time and really enjoyed our conversation together.
1: Caitlin, thank you so much. This was as fun and stimulating as I thought it would be. And I just appreciate all the work that you're doing for teachers and on the show and and everything you do at EB. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you. All right, you guys, we'll see you next week on the podcast. Have a wonderful week, everyone.